Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Professor Philip Goodman. <coughs> my job is to explain the unexplainable, untangle the truth from the fiction. You don't have to have your life ruled by superstitious fear. Hello everyone, Kevin Markwick here. Welcome to another Sound of the Picture House podcast. For the next few episodes, we're going to talk about favourite cinema moments. Something, as you can imagine, is rather close to my heart. In this episode, I was thrilled to talk to actor, writer and director Andy Nyman about his cinema memories and a little bit about his work. I'm no um, Michael Parkinson, I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, Andy is an extremely talented individual. As an actor, he's appeared in many films, most notably um, the horror comedy Severance in 2006, the hilarious Death at a Funeral for director Frank Oz in 2007. Um, You'll certainly remember Andy's moving performance as Dan, one half of the superfan, the gay couple in Judy. Uh, the Judy Garland biopic with Rennie Zellweger in 2019. In the theatre, Andy was Sid in the Royal Court production of Hangmen in the West End with David Morrissey, which some of you will remember we showed in Upfield as part of uh, NT Live. He played Teve in the 2019 revival of Fiddler on the Roof at the Playhouse Theatre and was due to play Horace van der Gelder in the West End revival of Hello Dolly in August 2020 which of course was derailed by poxy COVID. Andy's theatre and film work crossed over in 2018 when along with co-writer Jeremy Dyson, he directed the film version of his hit play Ghost Stories. Andy's been doing magic for over 30 years and was one of the co-writers of the acclaimed TV shows Mind Control and Trick of the Mind uh, for Darren Brown. In fact, Andy's got credits and awards up the wazoo. We spoke over Zoom, of course, so sometimes the audio isn't always broadcast quality, but I hope that doesn't impinge too much on your enjoyment. I certainly had a lovely time talking to Andy, who I'd never met before, so I was a teeny bit nervous. Is that a TV Century 21 t-shirt you're wearing? It is, yeah. Wow, that's very good. I used to love the comic when I was a kid. Oh, (laughs) God. So exciting. It was. That and looking was the sort of highlight of my week. You know week. what? <laughs> Last week, I got down, you know, the, uh, my on my bookshelf, I've got, came out a few years ago, a looking annual of... Oh, right. You know, and I've got a couple of looking annuals anyway. Yeah. But I just got the sort of retrospective one down. Oh, my God. Yeah, it I was mean, those it pictures really... on the front. It was the, 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 the paintings that they used to have on the front. Well, there's a really interesting thing in that book all about that. All right. And it was the guy who did the Get Carter poster. Cool. Yes, I can see that now. Now you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he was Czech and they just got him to do these paintings. For right. Them yeah. Because they wanted it to stand out. Um, I wish I still had that poster. I could retire. Oh, did you have an original? <laughs> oh, we had them all. Go and wait. These, I mean, this alien behind me is an original from when we showed it in 1978. Wow. But uh, yeah, the the, the look-ins, um, I remember the ones that stuck in my because I was a massive Planet of the Apes fan. I was completely mental about Planet of the Apes. The teleseries or the films? Or the both? films, really. But the, the TV, I mean, I was, what am I? I think we're a sort of similar-ish age. I'm 58 now. 
Yeah, I'm a bit younger. 54. Yeah, 54, yeah. So the TV series was what, late 70s, was it? Yeah. Like, yeah, something like that. So what what I'm basically trying, I'm, I'm just trying to talk to people about cinema and being in the yes. cinema and how wonderful being in the cinema is. Sort of just trying to keep it at the forefront, particularly of our audience, you know, get out yeah. there and, and remind them that we're here. And you picked an interesting uh, bunch of films. Is there any order you want to want to talk about them in particularly? You you do it at random. I honestly, Kevin, I'll do I it at random. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. not a problem. Um, well, actually, I sat through The Devils last night just to sort of remind myself again. I did, not that I really needed to. And I'm really curious. Did you manage to see that in a cinema? I did. Wow. Uh, you know, when, when you asked me about doing. Um, doing the podcast the thing that really appealed to me about it was this notion of being in the cinema as opposed to it wasn't just like pick your five favorite films no. it was pick films that that for you are about being in the cinema mm-hmm. for whatever reason that may be it's a massive part of my life cinema huge part of my life look as we say that my producer for ghost stories the oh, film cool. okay. doing our next film is running me and i'm t- i'm declining yes okay she can go away right i'm doing a podcast well, that's, about cinema that's, that's, um and so quite right yeah. <laughs> yeah so um you know it, it's been in my life since i was a t- you know a small boy okay um, Going to the cinema are many of my most formative experiences. So what was the cinema? What was your local cinema then? Well, I grew up in Leicester and there were sort of three or four cinemas, really. There was the Odeon and the ABC, the big ones. But then I was on, you know, I'm, uh, I was born 66. So I started really, you know, 72 onwards was when I was probably going to the pictures. Right. So I was on the cusp of that thing when each town probably had... 10 to 15 little cinemas, not just the big ones. Quite possibly, yeah. We had the Magna, the Foss, you know, these things that were a bit like quite nice church halls, but but they were definite cinemas that were built in the Mm -hmm. 30s, 40s. Um, So they really varied. And I have, you know, the films that I've chosen were seen at different places. Um, Well, of course, in those days you had... They were they were mostly they were single screens, weren't they? Yes. So what happened was we replaced fifteen cinemas or twenty cinemas in a town like Leicester with one multiplex with twelve screens in it. That's kind of what happened. In fact, I think you ended up with more screens in a town a lot of the time. Yeah, you did, but yeah. so what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because what you same. you lost a magic, you know, and that's one of the one of the joys. I, look, I, I love cinema so much, and one of the really interesting things that as the battle, as you look at the battles of cinema uh, against the sort of domestic watching of films. So, you know, the, the instigation of television, suddenly cinema's under threat. So they check, bring things up a bit and then it's okay until, you know, when the first TV stuff was sort of the birth of 3d. So then you were sort of all right for a while and then cinema had its golden period for a bit and then VHS came along. And VHS, funnily enough, was then the the rebirth of schlocky 3D and other stuff that and then it goes away. And now you're in a phase where, forget the pandemic, streaming, etc., and Netflix, it's a massive challenge to cinema. So in reinventing mm. what's happened with cinema, you know, you're talking about your cinema, which sounds amazing. You know, suddenly you've got 
beautiful seats and the possibility of maybe having a bit of a meal while mm-hmm. you're there, which I can't stand. But but the comfort yeah. and the sort of lounge experience and all of that. So mm-hmm. it's all it's an ever changing beast. But the thing that you cannot replace two things. The first is the the size of it, the magic of it, because even in the smallest of oh, there's only six rows of seats in this cinema. It's still bigger than your big screen at home. And I've got a screen here that I bring down and project onto, you know, but you can't compete. That's the first thing. And if the sound's good, you can't compete with that. But you also cannot compete with that magic of being in a room filled with people, ideally people who aren't on their phones and aren't stinking the place out with hot dogs and horrible food (laughs) and talking. But when it works... And that's sort of what all my choices of films were. Oh, it's about that extraordinary experience where you've got a group of people going on this ride mm. at the same time. And it's magic and special. And one of the things that we are all profoundly missing, you know, the idea of social distance and lack of company isn't just about your domestic situation it's human interaction and that that's a big Mm. part of it you know Mm. so that so my selections are all about that yeah i I mean i i feel this i've i've been very lucky over the years i've i've on the one hand i sometimes regret that i haven't been as much part of the audience because i've been in the sort of the back room all the years and so on the one hand it's been an absolute privilege because i've been able to see lots and lots and lots and lots of films particularly for my age that people my age wouldn't have seen in the cinema because I sneaked yeah. in and watched them, you know, yes. um, and things like that. But also having the, and, and you, you're in the theatre, you know that an audience reacts to things and they, they can react slightly differently on different nights in of different course. ways. So I've been very privileged to actually see that work in film as well, how, you know, um, uh, audiences react to a particular scene in a film, the one I was And that's an extraordinary, that's an extraordinary thing to me because in the theatre, it's a different creature every single night, Mm. the play. Yes. Depending on the actors, depending on the makeup of the audience, it's never the same. So, you know, you can often be in a, you know, a point where you think, I wonder why that didn't get a laugh tonight. That's so weird. You know, a film's identical. Yeah, but it, so the then audience it's only is, about yeah. the makeup of the yeah. audience. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the the very very big moments, and I don't know—is this the same in the theatre? The real kind of keystone moments tend to play about the same. You know, like t- yeah. um, Dustin Hoffman taking his eyelashes off and saying, "I'm not. I'm a yeah. Kimberly. I'm a twin." But you know, yeah, that, that always. Yeah. Uh, that you know it was a release for the audience so yeah. immense that <laughs> so they reacted pretty yeah. much the same every night but yeah you get you get even in the cinema you get different audiences reacting different ways yeah it's fascinating but the devils i'm i you know well so the devils a massive film for me over the years and yeah. I, I never saw it in a cinema which uh i i'm very envious that you did do you remember the first time your thoughts were turned to evil things He plies me with caresses, lustful, obscene. He enters my bed at night and takes from me that which is consecrated to my divine right, God, Jesus Christ. And what form does this incubus take? Who <laughs> is responsible for this evil possession? 
But of course I can prove nothing. This Mother Superior may be little more than a hysterical nun. But if it is a genuine case of possession by devils, and if Grandier himself was proved to be involved, then yes, I think it bears investigation, gentlemen. You've been a magician. I'd come, I'd good devils. Face eternal damnation. Conjecture is useless. We need a professional witch hunter. We must send for Father Barre. Well, I saw it at the cinema at the Scala. So I had come to London uh, 1984. I moved to London uh, from Leicester and I went to drama school and I lived in the Barbican, which is where the, the drama school I went to, I went to the Guildhall, it's in the Barbican. Um, and there was a cinema, an art house cinema, rep cinema in King's Cross called the Scala Cinema, which of course you will know about. Um, and it was iconic this it's now a snook it's now a sort of snooker hall or something i think i'm not no it was a snooker hall i'm not sure what it is now but it was this massive cinema and you can get a book all about it but the programming was unbelievable i mean I, that for me was like film school i would go there i wasn't i was very nervous of being in london very nervous of leaving home and i didn't make friends easily when i was first at drama school so i really Going to the cinema was a massive thing for me. And going to the Scala, I'd find all these horror films and films that I'd think, fucking hell, they're showing Clockwork Orange. Mm. Oh, my God. You know, you, you weren't allowed to do it at the time. I mean, you do it. They used to get and, into all sorts of trouble for that. Yeah. And Argento <laughs> movies, you know, things that I'd started to see uh, in the video yeah. nasty boom would be like, oh, they've got Argento is coming and they're showing five films. Anyway, Um so I saw a lot of stuff that you'd never really see at the cinema. So once upon a time in the West, I used to maybe go to once mm -hmm. a month. Right. It would be on. Okay. And I'd just go on, you know, I first saw it because Argento had written it with Bertolucci and Serge Leone. So I'd sort of I think, oh, I'll that. go see that. And then you think, holy shit. And The Devils was on. And The Devils was banned. Like, you couldn't get it on VHS. You, it never came up. So I went to see it. So where do they get a print? I mean, blimey, someone must have had a print. They must have had some print somewhere. Yeah. But my memory of it actually is, of course, it's weird, mental, disturbing, subversive Ken Russell at its sort of best. Mm. And Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave, I think it is as yeah, well. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, it's full on. Dudley Sutton, there's loads of yes. British character actors in it. It's just... Brian Murphy from George and Mildred. <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. But that wasn't what lodged it in my memory of cinema moments. Mm -hmm. The Scala had a cat... And the cat just used to roam around in the cinema during the film, right. you know, in the audience. You just go, you know, does what a cat does. Yeah. I did not know the Scala had a cat <laughs> until at the point where a, a pivotal moment of writhing nuns and I think um, torture of whoever yeah. it was oliver reed or someone giant syringes and all sorts of horrible things yeah. going on yeah full-on full-on devil stuff and i was thinking holy shit this is a lot suddenly <laughs> onto my lap leaps this cat wow well that film 
will be in that moment indelibly marked in my mind right. as a, a moment in cinema that I will never forget. Um, in the yeah, that is that is quite something. Yeah, and actually, if you wrote that, people probably wouldn't believe it. Well, I know I, it's in the book on the Scala stuff because right, um, okay. that you know that they contacted me and because um, it had been such a big part of. For yeah, I mean, I'm cur- I mean, I'd be curious to see how an audience reacts to that film. I mean, it's quite. Um... I mean, I haven't seen it since then, so my memory is oh, okay. very checkered. Well, the BFI yeah. uh, have that um, DVD, which is actually not not too bad. It's the longest version you can see. Yeah. There's still about four or five minutes missing, maybe a little less, right. of stuff that the censor cut out. <laughs> but I have a memory of it being a big thing in the 70s. Ken Russell is is you know one of my most favorite filmmakers and um i have this memory that we showed it a lot and we didn't we just didn't um which is really odd i found it in the end in the book if i can find now this is the book now um these are our ledgers that my dad used to fill in so i've got them all all going back to 1964 (gasps) um so i've got most stuff that we've shown over the years listed I mean, you can go through these books. You can have a whole evening just just flicking through the books. Yeah. In fact, when he was still alive, he and I used to go through them and laugh because he'd go, "What the fuck was I playing that for?" And um, and and he had a sort of slightly dry sense of humour, so he'd make these double features that made him made him smile like the fly and the wasp woman. He thought <laughs> it tickled yeah. him the idea of the fly and the wasp woman. But um, the listener can't see this, but here's the entry for the Devils on Sunday, December the 14th, but not until... um, What year? Well, not until uh, 1975, and it came out in 1971. So it was still doing the rounds in the 70s, but Warner's, you know, it's a very toxic film as far as Warner Brothers are concerned. They just won't go near it. And it's still pretty incendiary. I sat through it again last night. I've seen it many times, but... It doesn't. It 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 has not reduced in its power at all. It really hasn't. And it's actually it's. I mean, Russell admitted it was his most political film. It's definitely a political film, sort of about you know, the church and the state and, and individuality and that kind of stuff and, yes. and celibacy and. I mean, he was a proper. He's slightly been forgotten, I think, in the annals of. Do you think so? Yeah, um, I mean, Tommy was the, his film that I that made the biggest impression on me that I saw in the cinema, and that was probably his busy, biggest success, I would think. Certainly in the UK, probably, yeah. Oh no, Women in Love that was huge, huge for us in Uckfield, yeah. actually. But here we got the Devils uh, coupled with, again, this is I don't know what my dad was thinking, Cleopatra Jones. That's a very strange double, wow, film, isn't that it? Is a very bizarre. <laughs> For two yeah. days on December the 14th and, and Monday the 15th. And we had 167 people in on the Sunday, which was okay. And yeah. 46 on the Monday. But yeah, I'm trying to work out how Cleopatra Jones goes with the devils. Let me ask this, because mm. it was a massive part, the massive thing for me growing up. And funnily enough, me and my mum were talking about this the other day. The sort of the decline of the local paper in yeah. Leicester. Right. My, one of the highlights of my week Friday night when the paper arrived, mm-hmm. turning to the entertainment pages in less in the Leicester thing, and seeing the posters of what was coming next week. What was on at the pictures? Yeah. In, in what was on at the pictures? Mm. Yeah. There was very important local papers uh, ceased to be a thing about quite a while ago now for yeah, us. Got to be twenty years. Hasn't it? Well, I mean, do you ever think to pick up the local paper and see what's on? No. 
Well, in Leicester, in budget came, well, then, and then, oh no, they were vital then. They were absolutely yeah. vital. But we have a local uh, free sheet, which was really important for us to advertise in. And um, I suddenly realised uh, that I'd made a mistake one week and nobody showed up at the wrong time. So I thought, hmm, maybe its power has reduced. <laughs> so I started yeah. putting the wrong times in on purpose just to see who would turn up and nobody did. Wow. <laughs> so I stopped advertising. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was. Um, but that's interesting. So it just played the once in my mind. It played a lot of times, but it didn't. It just played the once. But I'm yeah, very yeah. envious you saw it in a cinema. Although the print was probably in ribbons, I should think. Yes, it wasn't great. Yeah, <laughs> joints and spices. I was interested when that cat leapt up on. Me. Yeah, the cat is. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So presumably, it was, presumably there were a lot of people in the cinema, so they reacted also. Did those you going? Aah! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs> Jaws from 1975. Where did well, you see yeah. that? I saw that in the pictures. Yep. Um, and I saw that, I think it was the Foss. Okay, in Leicester. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think it was probably, it would have been a second run of it, I yeah. think. Yeah, so what year do you think it was? So it came out oh. in 70, well, it was 76, actually. It was Again, it was another one of those ones. Yeah, it yeah, came it out in 75 in the US, summer yeah. 75, but it wasn't until, because we were way behind in those days. The, the, the idea of this day and date stuff that you have now. Well, was, I, I can tell you... Mm-hmm that i saw i would think it was april 77 okay so that would have been and i know that because i went i'm jewish there's a jewish festival called passover right which has strict eating stuff around it you basically can't eat and to cut a long story short if you haven't cooked it at home you can't eat it right i mean there are obviously other things but that's the bottom line Mm -hmm. And it's an eight-day festival. And my uncle was had come from Manchester and my auntie had come from Manchester. So my dad said, why don't we take Andrew, as I, as I was known, to go see Jaws? So I went with my dad and my uncle to go see Jaws, which my dad had seen already. And the reason I know it was in that time was because when we got to the cinema, we went up to the sweet counter which was not allowed considering <laughs> when it was Jewish festival. Yeah, right. yeah. And, uh, and my dad bought a tube of munchies and said to me, don't tell your mother for <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> so I know it must have been, must a, have been around this. So how, how, so how old would you have been then? 11, probably. 11 years old. That's like the perfect time to see Jaws, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it had, I mean, Jaws changed my life. Mm. I mean, it changed my life for a few reasons. The first thing was the cinema experience of it was, you know, as you will know better than anybody, that that film literally changed cinema. Yeah, it absolutely did in in all sorts of ways, not not just cinematically, but also the way cinemas were run, everything. Marketing and everything. Yeah, yeah. So the, the excitement of seeing a blockbuster, even as a second run, was a new, that was a new experience. Yeah, but they wouldn't have felt old then because films were around in cinemas longer. 
Yes, that's exactly. the thing. It didn't feel like it was knackered out, even by April no. 75, uh, 77 no. or whatever it was. Yeah, no, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't so have felt old. The, the sheer power of the film, the scares in the film, yes, the excitement of the film, the film itself had a huge impact on me and, you know, sort of indelibly stamped the sort of work I wanted to create yes. as I got well, I've seen it more times than uh, I mean, I've, I, I, I saw it many, many times when it came out. My it was another one my dad wouldn't play on Boxing Day because they wanted four weeks and eighty percent film hire, which he was dead against. One screen, you can't lock it in for four weeks. I was, oh, Dad, come on! Uh, so we didn't play it until the following October, seventy six. So, but it's still filled up every night. I mean, that would be inconceivable now. We forget, don't we, how these films played. We're so familiar with them now. It's easy to forget just how powerful that was. And when you talk about the horror thing, it is horrific, actually. uh, It's a proper horror movie, really, isn't it? it, That's the thing. It's a brilliant monster movie Mm. with brilliant characters and a couple of moments of sheer you know, leap out your seat, terror. Mm. The other massive, the other way, you know, it's not hyperbole for me to say it changed my life, you know. There was I, little, stocky, curly-haired Jewish kid wearing glasses. And up on the screen was Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. Little, stocky, Mm curly-haired Jewish guy with glasses. Yep. And I knew that I wanted, you know, already at that point, I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I looked at him and thought, oh, my God, oh my God, this is a reality. Mm. You can achieve that. You don't have to be one of these, you don't have to be Robert Redford, Paul Newman. You don't have to be one of these gods who just don't look like any of the rest of us. You can be an ordinary looking person. So it had a a huge, huge impact on me, that film, and has remained. I've got a book called Memories of Maine that came out a few years ago where they basically, some guy he journalist who's obsessed with Jaws had gone to I've forgotten the name of the place wherever it is that they shot the movie and he sort of put an advert in the paper saying just out of interest has anybody got any photos or stories or well everything came out of the woodwork oh right from when they were shooting it there from when they were shooting it yeah including one of the uh the stunt boat for the orca that got smashed someone had that so that then got broken down into a thousand pieces for the special edition so upstairs oh you've got a bit of the orca yeah a bit of the orca oh cool yeah yeah so do you think i mean do you do you still go back to it now to yeah watch? i haven't watched it for a while but i do yeah i i again i sat through it the other night um and i have now seen it so many times that I don't, you know, I think it's it, it's not this when you, and also I showed it a lot of times as well as a projectionist because it was still doing the rounds for many many years afterwards. Yes. So I showed it a lot of times, and I can still remember where all the changeovers are when we were changed over from one reel to the next and all that kind of stuff. I was showing it. We had a cinema in Eastbourne, and um, I was peeling it off as we call it, putting it back into cans, and taking them down to the dump at the bottom of the stairs one reel at a time and when i got to because there's seven reels in jaws got a tiny tiny last reel the last reel actually starts when hooper comes up from the, the you know wow. it's a very short reel seven and um 
uh, and I went down to put the last reel in and transplant had been. So somewhere out there, there's a printed jaws that's only got six reels. There's <laughs> a seventh reel missing. But here, look, it played, uh, it was actually uh, November the 7th, 1976, it played. And we had 1,674 admissions for the week, which is pretty good. And then it died the second week. Absolutely died. And my dad, my dad was so cross that it died the second week. But, you know, it was 10 months old, Dad. <laughs> what do you expect? But, yes, it, uh, it changed things in so many, for, for so many ways. But I've, I've never thought of the Richard Dreyfus angle for, for a role model. I've never thought Dude. of that. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those things that I think is really important, you know, as we get into mm. the world at the moment where there's, you know, probably coming off the back a lot of it of the Black Lives Matter and you see a, a shift in mm. representation in the art. And, you know, there are times it can feel jarring, but I think that it's really important. You know, I see what, as daft as it sounds, I see what, how representation affected me. Yes being somebody I could connect with. Yeah, very positive uh, It's thing. a hugely important thing. Yeah, really. he, he went on and won an Oscar and... Uh, Youngest actor to ever win an Oscar up was until... He? Yeah, for The Goodbye for Girl. For The Goodbye Girl. For nearly 3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. That's something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark, if it is there at Tarnis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Better go. Okay, so 1981 then, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. That's proper cinema, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that was a very, very, very special memory, which was the whole family. Yes. Going to see something we didn't know anything about, but we'd heard my dad had sort of, hey, this sounds good. (laughs) So we all Uh went, and we all went to... Again, I th- I don't think we saw it at the Odeon or the ABC. I think we saw it at the Magna, because I have a memory of us mm. going to this sort of arched window area. Well, it would have played the ABC originally. That's how yes. it would have played, because yeah. it was an ABC release in those days. Yeah. Paramount film. CNC. My God. Mm. The... Which, which cinema, sorry? I think it was the Magna, which was the in Magna. Wigston. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic Long. names. Long gone. Yeah. Foss. The Foss, Brothers Foss Park. Foss. Oh, I see. Right. Brixton Magna. Oh, okay. So that was the Magna. Right. Uh, yeah. Ah. Um, and that experience of being in, 
you know, it was probably a 400 seat cinema, old mm. school, old fashioned, you know, but it was big and loud and funny and scary. And, you know, one of one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, you know, and they are. These like Jaws, for instance, and Raiders of the Lost Ark were both A certificates, which would be PG now. Absolutely. And astonishing for that because you look at the stuff in it and my god it it delivers you know and it Mm. does not i I think raiders is really really interesting because it was a family slash kids film really and it's so not patronizing on any level you're dealing with the Mm. nazis you're dealing with proper theology Mm -hmm. you're dealing the power of evil you're yep. dealing with and it's shown in full force i mean it's really something yeah that last the, the i mean the the, the 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 bit where all their faces are melting it's extraordinary terrifying absolutely terrifying i was a little bit older so it didn't terrify me in that way but um what i remember going back to the idea of going in and watch i would go in because I, sh- I showed it i was a projectionist by that point and yeah. i would go in and watch that opening 10 minutes every day because again, it's easy to forget the impact that it had. I mean, we're yeah. used to it now. We've seen it. We've seen it in everything from Terry's all gold adverts to, yeah. you know, it's we're very used to it. But at that time, it was breathtaking, genuinely breathtaking. We hadn't seen anything that exciting. Well, it goes back to that thing as well, Kevin, where there are there are moments in it, as there are in Jaws, mm. that are you know iconic and iconic that have lasted forty. To 50 years mm-hmm. half the time that cinema's been around virtually yeah. and have infected every part of our culture and what's amazing is i mean it's extraordinary they're both spielberg yeah. but what's also amazing is somebody sat down and thought those moments up yeah and then drew them as a you know, on a storyboard, Spielberg would have talked about those moments and with Lawrence Kasdan or whoever it was who ended up writing Raiders, mm. you know, and they've drawn these moments out. But and they I were thought... still influenced by cinema that had come before that, weren't they? I mean, these totally. they, they, they were they were a nod to the old serials, which, again, is the sort of thing that's been forgotten now. Yeah. You know, the, the action, uh, the, uh, you know, boys' own adventure uh, serials. Well, that- that was the stuff that Spielberg was growing up on. That was his homage to that, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was. But people, um, again, the audience reaction to things is probably what sticks in your mind. I mean, Jaws, obviously, the head coming out of the boat is one of the great moments that you could watch. And yeah. in fact, Spielberg, the bugger, has probably been um, per per head <laughs> for, uh, responsible for more actual cinema moments, I think, than anyone, isn't he? You've got the bikes taking off in ET, which you know used to used to bring the audience to their feet, and you know, um, and all sorts of things like that. But uh, Raiders, like I say, we tend to forget how much impact it had at the time, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle to get it to take money initially. It really was. It wasn't one that flew out of the trap. Yeah, in the UK, it, they kept reissuing it. I don't know how familiar you are with all the art because the original artwork, which I love, with the sort of pencil drawing of of. Is that um, the truth? One or the... It's the yellow poster with the sort of almost like a pencil drawing of Indy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
well, it wasn't working in the UK in the summer. Not as not not to the because you see this film. It's it's interesting actually. You see a film like that and you think, well, that can't fail, can it? It just can't fail. That is going to take a fortune. But it took them a long time to get it to take money in the UK, and they they rejigged the poster. There's another one which again you probably see where Indy's got the the whip over his head. And yeah. he's, he's sort of smiling in that one he's not smiling in that first poster yeah. and it's a bright white poster and it, it and that actually those little tweaks so it was still taking money a year two three years later but it took them it, took them, it didn't do quite what they thought but yeah just uh so you 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 came out of that absolutely thrilled yeah and buzzing as a family that's the you thing know, yeah buzzing all of us like oh that was this that was that what about that what about that, that was great all oh, this that 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 you know yeah so you're not going to get that with streaming are you uh, no. do, do you have that experience i mean i i mean we, we sit and watch films and quite often now i love talking about movies when i've seen them but the family just go to bed yeah. <laughs> it's like all right night then it's, it's, yeah. uh... no, you, don't, you don't tend to get it in the same well you can't because you're not look there are there are also great pros to streaming and all of that stuff it's wonderful but it's not you can't compare it you can't compare it because you're not having what cinema's meant to be, which is you're not swamped by a giant image and you're not surrounded by other people <clears throat> sharing the experience with you. Mm. That's what it's all about. Yes. And that Brings film was very to... good at, at being tense and then making you laugh. That well, trick. But, yeah. The next film that I'd put on the list yes. was another one was Fish Called Wonder. Yeah. Now that, that really was, fu- that was properly funny. <laughs> Otto is a man of many talents. Hey, great fish. Oh, a little squeeze of lemon, some tartar sauce. Ken is a man of few words. Tell him from me. George is the man with the plan. Thirteen millions, my friends. And Wanda... Do you speak Italian? ...is the woman they love. They all set out to commit the perfect crime. To 20 million. To a job well done. But it turned into something... George moved the loot? ...less than perfect. Disappointed! So they turned to a lawyer named... Archie Leach. Leach. George is going to tell him what the diamonds are. ...with Wanda as the bait. I want you to make love with me. Ah, nothing, nothing. He's really hooked. I thought you weren't jealous. I'm not. I don't believe in jealousy. It's for the weak. Come on, girl, as bright as you could have a brother who's so... Don't call me stupid. I'm really, really sorry. I apologise unreservedly. Are you totally deranged? You're afraid so, old chap. John Cleese. Will you leave immediately, please? Jamie Lee Curtis. Kiss me there. Kevin Clyde. Put the other one up. Michael Palin. May I kiss you, Ken? No, you can't! A fish called Wonder. <laughs> A smashing. Oh, dear. Comedy. Now, I have not seen it for donkey's years, and I'm always a bit scared to go back to it, because my feeling is it, I suspect it hasn't dated terribly well. I, honestly... uh, I haven't seen it for a while. Um, 1988. Yeah. But I remember I was in, uh, I was doing a play in Westcliff in Southend, and my mate was in it, in the play with me, and um, he also loved cinema. So he said, oh, let's go see it when we finish the play. You know, or, or there was a matinee. We had one matinee or something. Right. There are only three times in my life I've been in a cinema with laughter like this. One of them 
was a fish called Wanda, mm-hmm. where you again you're in a packed cinema. When that, I, I remember the pivotal moment for me was when the bit of scaffolding falls and kills the dog. The dog. The dog's always got the biggest laughs. The, yeah, you know the screams of laughter mm-hmm. in the audience. Mm-hmm were extraordinary and i was part of it i was absolutely part of that joy of being surrounded by everyone at the same time going and i've only experienced that three times one of them was fish called wanda one of them was borat when i saw the first borat movie at the cinema Mm -hmm. where you just could not believe what you were seeing no i i was lucky i saw that in los angeles so it's a slightly different experience it was less laughing and more Yeah. <gasps> well, <laughs> somewhere between the two. And then the other thing which I'm proud to be in uh, was Death at a Funeral. Oh, uh, yeah, that got big. We're seeing yeah. Death at a Funeral, mm. which again was a giant movie everywhere but this country. Mm. Um, number one all over the world. Seeing that with an audience, and literally, I was in screenings and premieres for that thing where. I, I honestly, on more than one occasion, saw someone fall out of their seat. They were laughing very hard. You know, it sounds like uh, a joke, but that's, and it's the most extraordinary thing that. Yes. Being part of that in an audience. So Fish Called Wonder will always have a very special place in my heart. Yeah. And it's, it's when you're in cinema, when you're, you're working in cinemas, that's always one of the, that's the best sound that comes out of the, the wafts out of the auditorium doors that you can hear yeah. is that is that raucous laughter and that help that helplessness of wonder is one of the few films where your laughter is helpless or at least it was the first time you see it i'm gonna go back and watch it again yeah you might find that you won't laugh as much because you know the gags are coming but um the uh um you know that helpless laughter is very rare very when rare. was the last time you think you heard it Uckfield in, in the, the cinema, cinema. Uh, that's a very good question I don't know the last probably a Bridget Jones or something like that one of the one of the um, what's his face oh, I forget his bloody name Richard Curtis Richard Curtis yeah films going, I mean you're going back yeah that is fun. yeah well, I'll tell you what would have done it maybe not in Uckfield mm. but the Inbetweeners movies yeah, we did okay. Actually, we did okay with that. It wasn't mahusive, but we did yeah. okay. But yes, you're probably right, but, but not so much for us. No massive unashamed yeah helpless laughter helpless laughter i I have to say uh we were talking about this the other night um one of the greatest sounds in cinema along those lines is um hearing kids laughing and uh we because obviously like everyone else in lockdown we're picking shit off the shelves and we sat through uncle buck which doesn't age particularly well but you've got Macaulay Culkin in it. And that is one of the great memories is of listening to an audience full of kids watching Home Alone. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was the most heartwarming sound. Yes. I get all emotional when I start talking about it. But it's it's unfettered, unrestricted, uninhibited laughter yeah. like that is 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 and hearing kids laugh at home alone is one of the great things. Well, look, it's important you get moved by it because <laughs> cinema, it's a special thing. I did, I was very blessed. I was in a film called Judy. Yes, and I was which we asked, did very well with. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a wonderful film. Yeah. And I'm very, very proud to be in that film. Mm. And I was, there's, there's a wonderful 
God, I'm going to forget the name of it. A wonderful cinema charity that has screens in hospitals. Oh, yeah, Medi Cinema. Absolutely Medi-Cinema. fantastic thing. Absolutely the best Brilliant. thing ever. Yeah. So um, my wife has cancer. Oh, dear. Yeah. And so she's going for, it's a constant ongoing. She's had it for a long time mm. and she had to have um, some treatment. And we were at Chelsea and Westminster. And we were walking, and, and I, we sort of saw, oh my God, that mm. bloody medicinema. Anyway, they they recognised me and came and said, would you ever want to do anything here? If we could get, they knew about Judy and were like, if we could get that when it comes out, would you come and introduce it? Also, absolutely. So I went to do this screening at uh, Chelsea and Westminster. And the reason that you're moved, I think. I don't mean that patronising, like I'm explaining to you the reason, mm. but what you see when you are aware of, you're aware of the power of what cinema can actually do, of what that experience is capable of, mm. of how unifying and escaping and enriching and wonderful and magical and transporting it really is. Mm. Um, that cannot be replaced with streaming. And it was an amazing thing to actually do that screening and see. I'm sure. I, 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 can't, I, I have trouble actually talking about Medi-Cinema because I find it such a moving concept. Yeah. You know, it's really... when we start talking about it, I go all a bit misty-eyed because to give families that opportunity, particularly with the kids, I think, yeah. to have that norm, also the normality for two hours as well. You know, you talk about going to see, um, you know, Raiders with your family. How you know how that sticks in your mind as a as a as a as a positive thing to go to yeah. the cinema with your family, and to give kids and 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 people that in a hospital is 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 an extraordinary thing to give them. I think, and and proves just what a what a special thing it is. Oh, it's you brilliant. Know. I mean, the setup's brilliant. You've got you know like seven or eight seats. Then you've got space for wheelchairs. And then behind that, you've got space for two beds. Mm, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, honestly, it was it was an amazing thing. Yeah. So it, it's, it's wonderful being, you know, it's restorative to be in a thing full of that laughter, full of tears altogether, whatever it is. It is. And, and, and that's what happens. What we find with audiences is, you know, you like anything, you get audiences up, down, up, down like that. You know, um, we're busy, we're quiet, we're busy, we're quiet. And what happens is when you get a, a nice run of busy, 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 people always come out and they say, oh, we'd forgotten how much we love going to the cinema. Yeah. We must come again. We'd forgotten how much we love it. Because people are very good at knocking cinema, aren't they? Online, oh, yeah, I've got my big telly. I just, so I can sit, I haven't been to the cinema since 1966. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I, I think I think cinema's guilty of a few things. You know, I think that what's happened is the advancement in TV and home entertainment means that, the sound and picture quality at home can be extraordinary and often you can go to a yes. cinema and it's not good enough. No, because, I, I'm with you Because, you know, yeah. how can it be? Because if they're not making money, who the hell's going to invest in it? So that's the first thing. Mm. You, and then you've got the nightmare of people on their phone, people talking. But, so all of, the, all of the negatives, it's very easy to focus on, especially if four of you are going to go and it's going to cost you 13 quid a head. Mm-hmm. 
quid ahead, 20 quid ahead, whatever it is. So I, so I get the negatives, but the positives far yeah, out. I think uh, at the risk of sort of incurring the wrath of the fellow cinema owners of a large variety, they seem to be independents are much better at controlling that kind of 100%. thing. You know, where we, we, we keep on top of um, any noise and any trouble. And also because generally my contemporaries that own cinemas, we are nuts about it. So we keep our sound and our picture and our, you know. And it's, oh, listen, you know. I go to Fright Fest every, and in fact, that, that'll bring us to our yes. my final choice, actually. Yeah. I go to Fright Fest, which is an amazing mm-hmm. uh, horror festival. Yeah, it is. God help anybody who turns their phone on. <laughs> it is the nothing yeah. more frightening. Nothing is on the screen could be as frightening as the reaction you get from the audience. Yeah. If anyone dares look at their phone. No. And all those guys are very passionate about cinema. Oh, I love them. You know. I mean, Ian, yeah. Ian, and I, we go back hundreds of years. Ian, oh, Ray, and I, and and me, he's proper old school cinema. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, that is no, that's a great thing. That is a great thing, and it, it, that's right. It's the respect, isn't it? But uh, yeah. independents are pretty good at that. We're always. I mean, that's why you know, I'll never be rich because I always end up sinking the bloody money back into the <laughs> cinema to try and make it the best experience we can. Yeah. So, at Fright Fest, then. So, I'm I'm assuming then from the next uh, uh, one on the list, the cheap thrills. Is that a Fright Fest title? Bye. Are you gonna have time to talk to Doug about the race today? I'm in trouble, man. What's going on? I don't have a job since like an hour ago. We got an eviction notice this morning. If I don't pay in a few days, we're gonna be on the street. You know what you need? You need to get a little intoxicated with a buddy of yours. All right, for just a little bit. Hey, Craig, these guys want to buy out the next round, man. I'm Colin, this is my wife, Violet. It's Violet's birthday today, so we thought we'd go out on the town, get a little crazy. Violet and I came up with this idea for an awesome night. What do we have to do? Whichever you fellas does the shot first, gets 50 bucks. Boom. Wait, what? Oh! Vince. Meanwhile, wait, what? <laughs> I'll give you $200 whoever touches that stripper with a slap. Hey, you the one who hit one of our girls? No, I swear to God. 500 bucks if you hit him first. Never forget this night. One, two, three. All right. <laughs> Even if you never see us again, you will never forget us. I think that's awesome. Cheap Thrills was a Fright Fest title. 2013. E.L. Katz directing. That's going to be less well known than any of these other titles. Well, I can't imagine anyone will know it. And in no. fact, um, the Evan who directed it, who I then did a little bit for in ABCs of Murder right. 2. Okay. I said mouthful of a title. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was basically uh-huh. Cheap Thrills, which I think is on Netflix now. Yeah, it's on Amazon actually, Amazon Prime. If you've got a Prime account, you can see it because I watched it the other night and having not seen it. So, wow, mm-hmm. what a thriller! It is great and goes what? all the way, which is what I like Holy about it. <laughs> I mean, if you like a taut little thriller, that's the one. Um, it's truly, truly extraordinary. And I've had a couple of experiences there uh, at Fright Fest that are just knock your socks off. And without giving away anything about Cheap Thrills, there's a moment towards the end of Cheap Thrills where, and this is going back to the Empire Leicester Square right. when it was one screen. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it was probably about 2,000 people. Yeah, it had it had about 1,600 seats, yep. yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hearing 1,600 people gasp and hold their breath. Yeah, it's great. You know, at the same moment. And there was another one. In fact, the last film um, that was ever shot, uh, sorry, that was ever shown at the Empire was a Fright Fest film before it, when it was one screen. Yeah, before they and ruined it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brilliant film. Um, oh, whose name, now I'm talking about it, is just yeah. Big Bad Wolves. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's yeah. an Israeli thriller. Um, quite violent. And that was the last thing that was ever shown there. But again, that is a film that is filled with... <gasps> mm-hmm moments and in fact actually that was the first time i heard uh music written by a composer called frank ilfman israeli composer called frank ilfman who did the score for ghost stories oh, cool yeah because when jeremy and i were talking about it i said you, you've got a, you've we've got to watch big bad wolves number one you've got to hear this music a- after we've spoken Look up Frank Ilfman okay. and look up his, you know, these go his score for ghost stories is incredible, but the score for Big Bad Wolves, it's like, it's like someone's taken John Barry and Ennio Morricone and morphed them into one. Wow, it's amazing, and so Big Bad Wolves, I'm sneaking that one in as yeah, well. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm I'm going to look 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 that one up. It must be available Another. somewhere. Uh, yeah, find. I'm sure, I'm sure. But yeah. it, um, yeah, that I missed. I missed that slightly. The old empire. Um, yeah, of course, totally miss it. Because we don't really have now a proper old school large West End cinema. Well, I mean, even the Odeon has been a yeah. bit buggered up by all the big yeah. seat thing. All of them, are nowhere near as good. I mean, I remember Odeon Marble Arch. Ah, oh, yes. God Almighty. Yeah. I mean, you know, I saw the- uh, Lawrence of Arabia in there when they reissued it in '88. That was quite something. Where um, David Lean had re- had, had overseen because this guy Robert Harris found all the bits to put back right. in that Columbia had cut out, and they gave it, to, which is quite a brave thing I think to give. Then gave Lean the film and said, "Here's your film as you originally intended it in 1962," and then he started cutting it again because <laughs> yeah. he couldn't help himself. He had to go in and and fiddle around with it, but they let him do it. And that yeah, in 70 mil on that Odeon Marble Arch screen quite something but yeah. no i think the greatest 70 mil i ever saw was that and the other one was um at the uh curzon mayfair i don't know whether they've still got 70 mil in there or not but they had the print in 2001 of 2001 brand new print wow. and that yeah that was something else. that's a that's a magnificent cinema that's where the judy premiere was and that's was it truly yeah. In fact, that's still a very big cinema. That's a surprise. That cinema. Yeah, it is. It in. is a big cinema, and it's got and to, to show two thousand and one in there is brilliant because it's got that kind of sixties. Um, I was just going to say deco thing going on. Design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it was built when they were making two thousand and one. Yeah, and I would think that cinema that cinema's got to hold eight nine hundred. I would think. Yeah, it's that's pretty it. large. It's pretty large. So yeah. Judy Judy played there. So I must that, ask, you know, I must ask. I mean, I loved that film, and um, your characters presumably they're they're, they're they're they weren't real characters. Were they real characters? No, they weren't. They they weren't real characters. Um, they were an amalgam of a number of characters, and also written in to show her impact on 
from the, mm. the gay community. Right. What is apparently a true story is the going back to flats for dinner. Right. Is the loneliness of her, the profound emptiness of coming out of the stage door and just not knowing what to do. That, you know, there are a couple of stories of fans being there and her sort of saying, wow. do you want to get a bite to eat or, what, you know, and, and someone saying, well, you know. Now, whether it's true or whether it's the stuff of legend, you know, within that world, I don't mm. know. Um, but it was, a, it was a, a joy to do that stuff. Yes. Yeah. And she got the Oscar, of course rightly so she was yeah, brilliant absolutely amazing no no we did really really well with that one that was right up our right up our alley but uh so that moves us on to ghost stories then 2018 your film that you directed yeah. with um uh, jeremy yeah um which we did play yay <laughs> don't tell me your box office i don't need it, to know it wasn't that. massive <laughs> if i'm like because actually um the release date was a bit odd wasn't it i seem to remember yeah. it was sort of a bit hot and a bit you know um, yeah, it was. Yeah, and it also went up against um, a quiet place. Oh bugger! That's right. I remember. So you know, best laid plans. You're like, okay, and there's nothing coming out, and quiet that's place is coming right. out, and that's going to go this weekend and that weekend, and you've got your big release coming, and then literally the week before your big release, quiet place gets shifted. Yeah, and you know, you just know. Oh, to- okay two horror movies yeah. in this market the same week i mean how yeah. does that happen you know, one's one's yeah. three times your budget and mm. anyway but not I, that i don't care about you know ghost stories and being able to see that in the cinema and see that play around the world and do as well as it did and get the reviews it did was I mean, look you've heard how passionate i am about yeah. cinema yeah. to actually be to write and direct the film version of your hit play and turn it into a film in a way. And as you'll see with that film, you know, we're only, in, we're not making stuff for streaming. No, no, it's it. in scope, isn't it? It's and all film. that stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. and our next film will be a film, mm-hmm. you know, that we're sort of on the, on the edge of that all happening. So, and that was one of the proudest moments of my life, really, getting to see that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Professor Philip Goodman. <laughs> I'm here today to share three apparently supernatural incidents with you, all of which seem deeply troubling. Hello? Anyone there? The spirit. The unquiet spirit. Lights are on, but he's home. No, you're still there. You don't believe, do brain sees what it wants to see. My job is to try and untangle the truth from the fiction. I, I, I saw it, actually, the first time I saw it was, there's a little um, preview cinema in Berlin. That's where I saw it. Wow. Yeah, it was the Berlin Film Festival, but it wasn't, I don't think it was playing in the festival. It was, wow. a, it was a market screening 
Right. And this is one of my regrets, having spoken to a lot of people over the last few months about the experience of cinema and reading about people's experiences, because everyone's being, you know, really supportive about all of this. And is that I haven't spent more time seeing films with audiences. That oddly, my privilege has meant that I see films at preview screenings, you know, exhibitor screenings, festival, not and and sales screenings, and that's not the same. It's not mm. the same thing. It really isn't. You know, a bunch of exhibitors sitting in a room going, oh, do you think this will take me? I mean, we all enjoy it because we're film fans, but you don't react in quite the same way with a bunch of professionals in a room, do you? It's not, not quite the same thing. So no. I've, 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 I've made, you know, a, a pledge to myself that I'm going to go back and watch films again with an audience. Okay, so, yeah, Ghost Stories, I, which I can highly recommend. Frightening shit out of me in places, I have to say. And I've, I've you know, seen it all. But uh, I particularly like the young fellow. What's I, I can't think of his name. Alex Lawther. Ah, he's Martha. great, isn't he? Yeah, we, I mean, we were very blessed. I mean, that is a cast of our first choices. Was it? You know, Martin right. Freeman, Paul Whitehouse, mm. Alex Lawther as our key cast opposite me. You know, I mean, just, you know, pinch yourself. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in one of my favourite um, Black Mirrors, actually. Oh, I phenomenal! Was, yeah, that, is. that was about dance. Dan, can't remember what it's called. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he's brilliant, Alex. I mean, you know, listen. Uh, when I get off this call with you, yes, my next call is a big meeting with our casting agent about our next film. Well, this is great. This is really so good that's news. The start of this conversation, you know. That, yeah. Uh, so, when do you hope to be shooting? Uh, well, that you know, you're sort of up in the air because it depends on, on cast. Yeah. availability and you know finances all that they're sort of it's like it's like building a house of cards on quicksand yes i saw it once described getting a film made like you imagine you've got rings on cotton and then you push them and they're all doing this and then you've got to get a dart through the middle yeah. of every single one yeah. of them. i mean that that's exactly what it is um but it's mine it's magical yeah no no well good luck with that and uh, we'll look forward to showing that, whatever it is. Absolutely. Um, I'm assuming you can't tell us what it is. Of so, course not. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that covers everything. Thanks, Andy. That's been, that was absolutely fantastic. Well, an absolute joy. So yeah. lovely to talk. And, yeah. uh, well, hopefully uh, you can come down to Oxfield then. With, with, I with would love that. Or, yeah. Kevin, keep me in the loop. Yeah, and, and you can pick yeah. a film, any film couple of films what what Karen and I are doing is we're like doing a weekend so we can do you know we did a Christmas weekend we did Batman and um, Die Hard and all this kind of stuff but you know whatever brilliant Mikasa Sikasa or is it the other way around I don't know (laughs) brilliant no marvellous thanks Andy I really appreciate it I really do thank you very much for your time Well, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Um, Thanks, Andy. That was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Uh, We've got some good ones in the pipeline coming up, some some guests. So hopefully you'll keep in touch and uh, keep downloading. And make sure you could, if you can, give us a review somewhere or a like or a subscribe or something so that we can get um, this podcast out to more people. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. 
and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.